Ladies and gentlemen, you're now listening to the Hoop Kings podcast, presented by Overport Media. You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the ninth installment of the Hoop Kings podcast. It's your man, Coach Blight, and you know what we do. We get down in the gritty, man, talking everything from strategy to coaching to opinion. I'm back in the booth on this special day with my brother from another, the medieval one, King Art. It is I, and I am him. This is the medieval King Art. And thank you so much for joining us again right here on the Hoot Kings podcast. And what we're going to talk about today, we're going to give a recap of games one and two. We're going to preview tonight's game of game three. And also we're going to hit on some free agency, some trade talk. We'll give you our offseason uh, previews and predictions when it Ooh. comes to that. But let's go ahead and start with game one where Boston pulled it out. And especially in that fourth quarter. So I'm going to let you go ahead, Ron, and I'll t- pick it up from there. Man, first of all, this has been a finals that has been um, well played in moments. Okay. And and I'll say that to say that Golden State has been pretty consistent. I agree. Boston's had his moments. I agree. But what I mean by moments, if you look at the fourth quarter by Boston, primarily the last eight to ten minutes of the game in game one, and that's where we're starting. Yeah. Great. A great stretch. A great stretch of play, not, necess- not necessarily for the game, but for that fourth quarter moment, that fourth quarter happening that they had there uh, to allow them to get back in the game. And you mentioned game two, that third quarter by Golden State was just stuff of legends yeah. uh, that you've seen. And then what they are has been the best, con- the most consistent second half team, primarily third quarter team in the NBA. Uh, and Colin Cowher even said this, and I got to agree with him, over the last decade, I won't go that far, but over the last uh, couple years, I'll say that, especially this year, they've been pretty consistent in terms of making changes coming out the half. Yeah. Have you seen that in this playoffs uh, with the, not only the first three rounds, but here now in the NBA Finals? For sure. Where they played two really good quarters. So, um, Golden State has been very consistent. Boston's had good moments, but I think both teams have had defining moments within game one and two. Completely agree, man. I just love how Steph Curry came out guns a-blazing in the first quarter in game one. When he hit like six threes in the first quarter, something crazy like that, 21 points in the first half. And, you know, Golden State are notoriously known for coming out in the third quarter with a huge blitz. And that's exactly what they did. And then, unfortunately, the whole team just went absolutely cold and Boston started to light it up. Because even Peyton Pritchard got a lot of time in that fourth quarter because that unit on the court was hot with him, Tatum. Al Horford gave you 20-plus points. Derek White gave you 20-plus points. And then Golden State couldn't do nothing. Steph Curry went cold. Klay Thompson, we have to talk about him in regards to him trying to find his rhythm. He's still not there yet. And, of course, in Game 2 with Klay Thompson, they're up 20-plus points. And I'm watching the game like, why is Klay still in? Then I realized, okay, he's still with the second unit. Because Curry's trying to get him to get his shots up, get his shot back, you know, be able to sit in that chair on defense. And it's just not there for him. So I think he's still another season away to being the old clay. Uh, going back to game one, um, the the shot calls and the others, you know, your Horfords and, and Marcus Smarts, they carried that team. Derek White scoring 20 plus points. And when I said the game to one to myself, actually, I was watching with my wife, and uh, we were watching the game. I'm like, mm-hmm. Golden State is going against another team that can shoot just as good as them. Mm-hmm. 
when it came to Boston. But then transitioning into game two, like you're talking about with consistency, Gold State's really only had one bad quarter. That's it. You know what I'm saying? And that was the reason why they lost because at halftime of game two, it was 52-50. And then, of course, Golden State just went bonkers and the pool party finally showed up with Jordan Poole. So I was like, Mm -hmm. Boston, if he plays like this on the road, then Boston's in trouble. I think think one of the major things to look at with this series and then the last series with Golden State and Dallas – and we mentioned there in the last couple of episodes prior to this mm-hmm. how Golden State, they not only will shoot to three, but they'll get easier looks at the basket. Yeah. Um, that was the difference in game two. Mm-hmm. The, the only things that's been consistent, man, I, and, and I'm looking at team stats here, and, and I looked over this just the last, just yesterday, and I said, okay, both teams are shooting primarily the same field goal percentage, just about roughly in between. 45-50%. Boston shot 37, I believe, in game two. But nonetheless, you're shooting between 40 and 50. Not terrible for a playoff team. Okay. We're going against a really good defense, too. Yeah. Uh, Three-pointers have been about the same, 40 to 50%. Uh, free throws have been about the same, 75 to 85%. Mm-hmm. Uh, where you're seeing the game being won is in two different spots. Points in the paint. That's quality of shots. And then also turnovers. Mm-hmm. Whoever's turning yep, turn the over. ball over yep. a little bit more than the other. Now, Golden State have more turnovers in game one, and you go to game two, Boston have more turnovers. Yeah. So points in the paint and turnovers are huge. So that, that tells me one thing, quality of shots, and then defensive pressure up top. That will affect those quality of shots. Golden State in, in game one had 26 points in the paint. Boston had 34. Golden State turned it over 14 times. Boston turned it over 12, a lot in the first half. So the one thing to me that stands out is what kind of shots is Boston allowing Golden State to get? They're doing what everybody says they're good at, at shooting the three, but that's not really been their M.O. all season or within this playoffs. Dallas, it was best shot available. Memphis, it was best shot available. Uh, the Nuggets, it was the best shot available. Mm-hmm. Now you're telling me the only shot that's available is the outside uh, three-point shot? Yes. I think, to me, you can find rhythm in your pick and roll with Kevon Looney. Even with Robert Williams in the game, Looney's still effective. They, their size com- comparable. Right Now, Looney's a better rebounder. Williams a better defender, so right. you can kind of make your own guesstimate there on what's going to happen at the rim when whoever has the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're good in the pick and roll game. Uh, one thing that I would love to see them do here in game three or four, what, like I said, my favorite saying, foul line down. What shots are you getting foul line down to make it easier on yourself? And I can be a kick out three to the corner, or are you driving the ball effect- effectively to the basket, which you mentioned, the pool party started. Yeah. And I think with him, granted, yeah, he went off, man, and went bonkers with those threes. Yeah. But if there's any guy that's going to get in the lane and create havoc, it is Jordan Poole. Gotcha. And I also think Andrew Wiggins can be that guy as well. Oh, most Because definitely. he was really attacking the offensive rebounds. But he just wasn't hitting his putbacks because him being a leaper, him being 6'8", I believe he's always going to have a mismatch, whoever's guarding him on the defensive end. So I really look for him to do something here in Game 3. And then something I've been finding on social media, specifically Facebook, is something I've been saying for a while and I also brought up in a previous podcast when it comes to the amount of three-point shots that are being taken in the NBA now. Because I swear it might have been 10-plus possession straight where every shot was a three-point shot 
So in my mind, I'm like, this okay, this this era, this generation is more skilled and more athletic, yada yada yada. But everything is just catch and shoot. You know what I'm saying? So Boston, they're going to find the best shot because I'm like, bro, Grant Williams. I can be Grant Williams, bro. I was I was I was watching my boy Greg, and I was like, bro, all number twelve does on offense is just sit in the corner the whole possession. You know you know what I'm saying? So it's like I yeah. know. The NBA is only 450 players are playing right now. But I'm like, I can do that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I understand that just using Grant Williams, for example, he's going to give you size. He can guard one through five. But it's like when I see him on offense, it's four on five. He, he, I don't have to worry about him unless the ball swings that way. But, of course, if I'm a key defender, I got one foot in the paint and one on the outside, ball you man. But at the end of the day, bro, I just want to see Jason Tatum evolve into what we think he's supposed to be because he just came out in a, in a post-game conference you know everybody's talking about how he's a superstar and he's basically denying that it's like no you gotta take onus on that you gotta be like kevin Durant, like you know who i am like i'm jason tatum i can be that guy i, I think that's asking a lot of jason tatum you think so i think so he's and, the best player on the team he's the best player on the team but i, I think to me and that's the thing some guys are built for the moment. That that's why in in the first series, when everybody's like, "Oh, he's better than Durant," oh, slow your brakes. Yeah, those are two different guys. Mm-hmm. One guy supported, the other guy wasn't, and that's why I said I respect Tatum's ability. Mm-hmm. He's a top ten player, but he ain't top five. Let's just keep it how we keep it. Let's keep it hunting. Uh, he's he's he, definitely not he top five. He can win five. a championship. Yeah, but there is a little bit of self doubt creeping up in his in in what he's saying. And when you're saying it, you must believe it, or you must want to come across as a guy who's all about team. Now, nah, man, these are the moments to be a little bit selfish. I'm that guy. I'm right. going to get us a bucket. Right. No matter what defense that the other team is going to throw at me, you can't stop me. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to get what I get, how I get it, in the way I want to get it, when I want to get it, mm-hmm. and you can't do nothing about it. I and, Go ahead, man. I'm sorry. No, and, and I just say he has to have that mentality. Yeah. J- Jalen Brown has that similar mentality that I'm just that i speaking of. I think the thing with Brown is he's a little less skilled, a little more erratic. So we and we don't prefer it from Brown. But if you ask me, that's where your aggressiveness comes from because I, I, I'm i looking at game two, mm-hmm. and he stepped back up with 28 points when he only had three assists. He was hot in the first, in and, the first quarter. And he was hot. Jalen Brown yeah. has 17 in game two. Comparable with six rebounds and three assists for both. If you go to game one, mm-hmm. Brown had 24. Tatum had 12, but he delivered the basketball. So I think I think to me, consistently, Brown is your guy. Mm-hmm. He's had two consistent games here in the finals. But I think we wanted to beat Tatum. And sometimes I think, man, sometimes the moment brings out of us what is really inside of us. And I think we're really seeing the evolving of Jason Tatum, not necessarily into a top five player, but a guy who's a great piece to a championship team. And there's nothing wrong with that at this stage in his career. Yeah. And the reason why I bring up Jason Tatum and his status in regards to his his tier in the NBA is because I was watching First Things First and, uh, and Kevin Wilds was on there. And he was talking about how we have to stop babying Tatum because... He's a first-team All-NBA guy. So if you have, you know, Giannis in the game, or you have Luka, or you have Devin Booker, or Joker, 
we're not going to be saying, well, we, the money might be too big. We're going to give him some slack. This is his first time. It's like we have to treat him like he's a top NBA guy, which he is. So looking through that lens, I can understand that. But Tatum is still, in my eyes, he's still a young guy. I know they've been to the conference finals many times, but the finals is a different animal. It's a different beast, It's man. a different monster, man. All eyes are on him. I can only imagine the pressure. He's under seeing everybody saying, oh, if he wins this game, he's a superstar. He can be this. He can be that. And, of course, I just think looking at it, I think Jalen Brown is a more confident player oh, than no Tatum doubt about is. It. No doubt about it. And when Jalen Brown, he was saying. And, and, and repeating, I don't want to cut you off. Yeah. Please, please keep with that, but I just want to. Yeah. Tell the audience when when artists saying confident doesn't mean that he has better skill set. Right. Mentally, he's just there. Right. He's there in those moments that sometimes Tatum's not. And I believe that in game two in the third quarter and made that run, Jalen Brown was taking more of the shots and he was missing them. And I and when you're a play when you play basketball, when you see a guy that's is I won't say Jalen Brown's on the same level, but they you, but we know that they're one A and one B. But when you see a guy taking these shots and he's just missing them consistently, it's like you just become disinterested. And that's what I saw in Tatum, and, that, and that's when that run, that run took place. They were, went from down two to down 20 in minutes. So at the end of the day, man, um, if I can see the future in terms of game three uh, with Boston being at home, you know, I think that Boston is going to make a turnaround, but Golden State is experienced in these matters and i believe yes. clay thompson is going to be due someday i don't know if it's going to be game three game four or game five but if it's tonight i will not be surprised i, I think the, the biggest thing for me tonight is the, the crowd shifts yeah I, I think to me the 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 bench of the celtics and they went they're actually went a, they're going a little deeper in this series by bringing in uh like you said Derek white peyton pritchard's getting some more clock yeah daniel tice has played uh, sparingly in the first two games, so you're you're going about nine deep compared to seven or eight, which you were going against the Heat. Mm-hmm. I think to me the difference is, what are you getting out of Andrew Wiggins in this moment? He's, he's an all star. He's the guy to me that's going to propel them in games three or four because of his ability to put pressure on the on the defense. Very similar to what Brown is doing, getting to the rim. For sure, they're, they're going to be important playing at the rim, like you said, putbacks offensively, offensive rebounding, but more importantly, driving the basketball and putting pressure on the defense, attacking Robert Williams, getting Robert Williams in foul trouble. You know Horford's going to have confidence going home. You know guys off the bench are going to play stronger for Boston, and they play well in in San Francisco too. Mm-hmm. I just think to me the the veteran presence of Wiggins, of Otto Porter, uh, has to shine through in Boston. Mm-hmm. Also, too, a, a guy that I give an immense amount of credit to in this series is Draymond Green. What and, and and I'm tired of people saying that he's not a skilled player. Look, man, you you in the NBA, you are unbelievably skilled to the common man. And honestly, Dr- Draymond Green would be an All American, All Star, best player in the world if he was playing in the G League, college, anywhere else. He'd be the MVP. He'd be the MVP, and it yeah. wouldn't be close. Let, yeah. Let's just keep it. 100, and I'm tired of people disrespecting NBA-level talent. These guys are the best at what they do. Yeah. And I think what you're seeing from Draymond Green is a guy who is effective in all areas of play on the offensive end. He's not a guy that's going to shoot the ball, but I've seen Draymond attack the rim a a few times in games one and two. Draymond can offensive rebound. Draymond can set quality picks. Mm -hmm. He can play up top. Generally, you see him at the top of the key. He can play on the wing. Mm -hmm. He's great in movement. He's great for in flow of that offense. He's going to talk. He's going to direct traffic. 
He's going to uh, he's going to take charges defensively. He's going to put people in place. That's the type of guy you need on the back end of your defense, or yeah. as I like to say, on your second level. You got to have a guy that's going to talk back there. Oh yeah. And, and I think to me that gets lost because we want to see the glamour stuff, and we see the the trash talking, and we see uh, pulling up Jalen uh, Jalen Brown shorts, and we right. see all that. And it's a little sexy. We talk about it, but let's be real here. The guy is a world-class basketball player. And so I think you'll see a little bit of that come through in Boston as well for Golden State. So um, games three or four, it could be – I'm seeing it maybe 2-2. Two, two. But if Golden State gets game three, don't be surprised they get game four. But I'm going to say it's going to be 2-2. Two, two. Don't know how it's going to split up. But I think both teams will split it, split it in Boston. And I, I want to just touch on that Draymond Green thing because I'm just thinking in terms of the aspects of a player on his team. You always want a guy like that on your team. I don't care how much you hate him. He, he's the type of player, of course, you hate him when he's not on your team. You love him when he is. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And he is definitely the the adhesion, the, the glue that Golden State needs in order to get back to these finals because he's able to distribute the ball, he's able to play defense, he's a former defensive player of the year, he's able to rebound, he's able to be a leader on his team. He might not be the best player, he's definitely a leader. And that's what you need when it comes to championships. Not finesse, not hitting all these threes, not dunk on everybody. A strong team with a good foundation. They have great coaching with Mike Brown and Steve Kerr on the sidelines. So at the end of the day, uh, looking at game three, I think this might be the only time that a team wins back-to-back games. So I think Golden State's going to pull it out here in Game 3. And I believe Boston will pull it out in Game 4 because Golden State, I believe if they find themselves down double digits late in the game, they might just close it up and go back to San Francisco tied up 2-2. And I know that as well, Steph Curry is on a highway to the Finals MVP. So I know he's going to put up a lot of shots, Mm -hmm. in my opinion, in the first quarter as he's been doing the last two games. And I'm looking to see if Al Horford and Marcus Smart are able to bounce back from game two, only scoring two points each. Because, you know, you can't, they're not going to give you 20 plus every game like they did in game one. But for them, they're going to give you two points each was a big uh, downer for Boston. So I know they're going to step up, but who's going to be the other guy for Boston to do that? And uh, I'm looking forward to it tonight. Me too, man. It's, it's going to be a, a fun night of basketball. Uh, I think Friday night is – I think that place even going to be jumping more than this either direction, whether to bring their team back from a 2-1 deficit or put them up 3-1. Mm-hmm. You know, I think to, to me that that crowd is great for this environment. And and, and the one thing where, where I want Boston to take the next step is to close the deal in quarters, play better quarters, but then close them out effectively and not get ram uh, – you know, ran ran out the gym basically what happened in in, in the quarter number three of game right. two. Right. Um and really quarter number three of game one too, if you look at it, they were out score 38-24. Boston has to take the next step. I don't want to speak on any other teams because this is their moment. Mm-hmm. But I, I can't seem to when when you only really won one quarter of eight plates so far, I can't help but think if Chris Middleton is healthy, mm-hmm. does Milwaukee have a you know, are they up two games to none? Yeah. Where's Milwaukee in this? If if Kyle Lowry is healthy, um, Tyler, Tyler Hero. Hero was healthy. Yeah. And, and and that was my saying with Miami. I thought I knew Boston at some point. You would see what you're seeing. I thought Miami would lose the series to Golden State if played, but I think the games would have been 
a lot tighter and better contested. Draymond does not have an effect on the game because you got guys like him yeah. on that other side, primarily P.J. Tucker, Jimmy Butler, right. Kyle Lowry. Yeah. So I think to to, to me is – Good point. They, you got to feed off the crowd. Mm-hmm. You got to take the next step. Mm-hmm. Because, man, we get the next season, there's a killer in Brooklyn. Hopefully there's a couple killers. You know you got one steady. Yeah. Milwaukee's coming back very strong. And that guy in Philadelphia – and in, in Miami, he's got a guy that's 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 mean with it. Yeah. And so to me, I want to see Boston take this next step. E- even if you go down two two, I mean, if it's tied two two or go back three one and get down, you often lose the finals. Like you said, with Jason Tatum, man, can we get to the next step? Mm-hmm. Can we can we push past the undoubt? Can we push past the uncertainty and really take care of business? Because even if we don't win, at least we can come back next year saying, hey. This is it. All right, so game three predictions. Uh, who do you got winning tonight? Game three predictions. I like Boston close. Okay. I, I Boston think, is a three-and-a-half point favorite tonight. I, I like Boston less than five. I don't know where somewhere going to land, maybe in that three-and-a-half. Okay. I like Boston close because I think they play a better overall game. Mm-hmm. And um, But I will say this, though. If they allow Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins to get comfortable looks at the basket, mm-hmm. then I'm gonna be I'm gonna be wrong on Game Three because that's if that's if you continue to allow that to happen, Wiggins I believe had uh, 11 last game, mm-hmm. but Poole exploded for 30 plus. Wiggins had 20 in the first game. Poole had about the same. Yeah. If you allow them to get those same looks, whether whoever's going either way, you could be in trouble. So one of those guys got to be cold. And I don't know who's that going to be because if Boston ain't did it yet, there's no saying that they're going to do it here. But I'm going to stick with my guns and say the crowd gets Boston a close victory. But I think Golden State will come back and win game four and go 2-2 back to the back. All right. And then my quick prediction, um, as I said, I think this will be the first and only time that there will be a back-to-back winner in the finals. I'm going with Golden State in game three. Um, I think Steph Curry is going to have the crowd quiet early uh, with his big shots. Um, I think Draymond Green is going to get in the head of the crowd and get the crowd on this side in terms of booing. Uh, so I'm going to go with Golden State game three. And like I said earlier, I believe that Boston, it happens like this in the finals every year, it seems like. There's not a lot, like around three, four, five, there's a lot of blowouts in between those games. So I believe if Golden State is down double digits going late into the second half, they'll just box it up and go back home 2-2. I, I will say this before we before we move on. Yeah. If if it is 2-1 going to game four, mm-hmm. if Golden State within that game four is close on either side, leading or losing, mm-hmm. they may play for the win. Yeah, if it's and, close. And, and in this in five. Yeah. And I, I don't know if Boston is there yet. I don't know if Boston can say, hey, we're going to take two and then go back to the bay. Mm-hmm. I know Golden State is there. They've done this before. Okay. So to me, if if they if Golden State wins game three, and then let's say they're in a five within a five point game either way in game four going late, yeah, oh they're gonna try to win that game. Oh yeah, that's definitely def- different. And by scenario. the time we get yeah. to next, by the time we get to Monday, I mean, um, yeah, Monday, mm-hmm. they may try to put this thing away. Oh for sure, at why home. Wouldn't, why wouldn't you? Yeah. So to me, hey man, if you're Boston, this is critical. You got to win game three. You go down two, two one. You might be going back to San Francisco down 3-1 mm. because they'll smell blood. Yeah. And, and and getting back to Tatum 
You can't let them smell that blood. And I think Draymond got a little taste of that in game two. Mm-hmm. And you better be better bottom dollar, Annie style. <laughs> Draymond's going back to Boston with that same mindset, like you said, pissing them off. So for sure, we like we got two good ones coming, bro. Uh, for sure. And when we get back here on the podcast, our next episode, of course, we're going to recap those games as well to see if our predictions came true. And uh, what I like to do now is just transition into some. I guess we call some some off-season previews and predictions when it comes to free agency and trade talk. And I want to start with our Lakers first. A lot of new news has come out lately, uh, specifically with the new hire of Darvin Ham as a new head coach. Mm-hmm. So this is my first time I have the chance to talk to you about it, Coach. Talk to uh, me. What do you think about the hire and any predictions in regards to uh, maybe the not uh, the, the record of Russell Westbrook still be on the team? What, what are your thoughts? Uh safe hire it's not gonna rock the boat okay. uh, I think it's a guy that will translate to the players I think it's a guy that will challenge the needed veterans on that team to not be stale mm-hmm. um, Darvin Ham um, has a long coaching background of a decade plus in the NBA uh, primarily under Mike Budenhoser, got to start with the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, I want to say back in, in the Byron Scott days, in the, in the early twos, right after uh, Phil left. Okay. So I want to say he was on that team when the Lakers were still kind of going to the playoffs with Kobe there when he had brought in Nash and yeah. Howard and guys. He was around that that roster. Okay. So the great Kobe Bryant, rest his soul, uh, was very fond of Darvin Ham. So I thought, I think relationship wise, um, he was already set in stone with Rob Palenka. Okay. I, I think there was something there. Obviously, for those who don't know, Rob Palenka was Kobe Bryant's uh, longtime agent. Mm-hmm. Rob Palenka, former player uh, of himself at the University of Michigan, is now the Los Angeles Lakers general manager. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's something there with Darvin Ham. Um, I think, too, with Darvin, his – his hard-nosed, defensive-minded aggressiveness play as a player. Mm-hmm. I remember the great Darvin Hammers being a dunker. He was breaking backboards. Breaking backboards, rebounding the ball, setting man. great screens, playing Undersized defense. big man. Uh, think Grant Williams more athletic back yes. in the day. That, that's what guys yes. of Grant Williams ilk did, yeah. not standing in the corner shooting threes. Yes. So Darvin was that guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think with Darvin, what he'll bring is that hard-nosed mentality to the Lakers. Yeah. Now, the, the one adjustment that I want to make him – um, what do you do with Russell Westbrook? I think he'll be good for Westbrook. And I don't put the onus or blame Westbrook. I think he gets too much of the blame because it's like, well, we don't want to blame LeBron. He's so great. He's, he's media friendly. He's fan friendly. He's the biggest icon the sport has seen since 23. Yeah. Um, the other 23. The ghost 23. Right. Um, terrible owner, though. That's another story. <laughs> um what do you do for Anthony Davis? You know, how, we how, talk about that too. You know, yeah. So I, I think to me that's more of an issue than than Russell Westbrook. But it's like, what do you do? Yeah. Do you convince Russell to come off the bench, play with the second unit, the sixth man, which we alluded to in our early episodes? Mm-hmm. Do you play through Anthony Davis? Um, where do you go with the roster? There's not a lot of space with the roster. Yep. You got some young guys that you have to play that you need to play. Do you play those young guys? Do you turn to those veterans? Is Carmelo Anthony coming back? You know, so so it's, it's certain guys like that that's got to answer the question. And I think with Darvin, I think there's too much to put on him. 
but I like him. Yeah. And I think he can get this team at least to the playoffs. Now, after that, it's going to be long, man. But, you know, good hire, safe hire. Don't know if it takes them to the promised land of where we want them to be. Yeah, I completely agree with you, man. And I believe that Darvin Ham was not their first choice. Uh, I've been hearing rumors that Jawan Howard was the guy that LeBron wanted to come to the Lakers. And if you're Jawan, you see the situation that's going on in the ownership and management. Got Kurt Rambis doing things, his wife, Linda. Who? You know what I mean? Jeannie Buss doesn't really have full control of the team like she should. You know, when Tyrone Lue uh, got interviewed for the job, they were talking about you can't choose your own coaching staff. So there's a lot of stuff. And plus, you know, I have my two sons here at Michigan. It's my alma mater. I've always wanted to coach here. So like, why leave a good thing if the Lakers are not? Or my boy LeBron is on the team. So what I do like is that they have changed a little bit, allowing Darvin Ham to choose his staff. And I believe his first hire was Rasheed Wallace. Uh, put him Good as hire. A, put him as assistant coach. Rasheed was just on Pena Hardaway's staff down in Memphis. So when it comes to bringing that aggression, bringing that toughness that L.A. needs, because they were definitely way too finesse, I believe. Rasheed Wallace, if A.D. decides to change his mind frame, instead of what I heard today, him uh, actually giving the Lakers six teams he'll want to go to if he gets traded. He's doing a little Russell Wilson type of stuff. Like, if you guys decide to trade me, I want to go here. So the fact that that's already in his mindset and he's not here to be a Laker kind of irks me a little bit. But going back to my Rasheed Wallace point, if he's able to get AD in the summer and, and instill some type of toughness in him to go in the paint and be able to shoot, man, Rasheed Wallace, dog. And if she, she, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, just be a dog like him. If he can get 10% of what Rasheed Wallace was, they could already jump into the playoffs then and there. I, I hear this Anthony Davis as a top 75 guy or whatever. Man. I, I hear this guy as a generational talent. Can we revolt? Can Can we slow all that down? First of all, Rasheed Wallace will bust his ass. Bro. Okay. The best of the best power forwards say Rasheed Wallace was that guy. Rasheed Wallace KG was that guy. Was, yes. I, I made a silly statement. Never forget around 2004, 2005, um, made a silly statement that my brother still clowns me on to this day, but it's true. I said, if you look at who the best player in the game was. Now, Kobe was post-Shaq. He was getting numbers. McGrady was still killing. Iverson. Timmy Duncan. Timmy Duncan. Yeah. Steve Nash. Yeah. I mean, Shaq, Miami. Yeah. Dirt. All was doing their thing. Yeah. But let's be, hey, those Detroit Pistons squads controlled everything, and their guy was Rasheed. Seven straight and, conference finals. And I made a statement. I said, Rasheed right now playing like the best player in the game. Kenny mm. Smith said it too. So this 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 ain't just Rasheed. Oh, he old. No, 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 no. Rasheed Wallace will bust Anthony Davis' ass. And I'll, and I'll argue that point with anybody because you had a guy, they basically played the same way. They did, yeah. Rasheed just plays more aggressive. Yes. Rasheed going to hit you with that post fade. Rasheed mm-hmm. going to step out and hit that three. Yeah. He going he gonna to hit you from the pinch post. Yeah. He going to hit you from the foul line. Mm-hmm. He going to hit you from the short corner. Everything Anthony Davis do, Rasheed Wallace and did it. So For I sure. think to me, great hire. If you can get something out of it for Anthony Davis, mm-hmm. you've succeeded. But yeah. Anthony Davis got to want it up top. Yeah. Because he's wasting his prime years acting like a diva. <sighs> that's my take on it. Yeah, so that's going to be interesting seeing what the Lake Show does in rebuilding that roster. And let's go ahead and stay out west and go to the northwest and talk about the Portland Trailblazers Ooh. and what they're trying to do in terms of free agency. Uh, so it's rumored that Bradley Bill and or Zach Levine 
are in the in the Portland Trailblazers uh, sights after signing with the team. So, do you think the signing of Bradley Beal and Zach Levine will keep Dame in Portland, or he still might want to go? It it's a it's a ploy to keep him happy. Mm-hmm. You're not going to win the NBA championship. Okay. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. I mean, I, is, is that an upgrade? If Bradley Beal goes, is that an upgrade from CJ McCollum? Uh, yeah, because you think Beal's a better player. Yeah. But I think from production, you're going to get the same production. Okay, same about 20, 21 points. Yeah, a game. and okay. you'll be a playoff team. Okay. You know, it's all on this Nurkic out there, you know, and you got, you know, some other guys out there, you know, but I. It's not going to do anything for me. Okay. I, I definitely see what Portland's doing. They're dangling that seventh pick out there mm-hmm. as some bait um, here for next week. Drive. That's the one team in the draft I am hearing about consistently. Yeah. What are they going to do with that seventh pick? Uh, they definitely got some cap space. They got some room to take on a max guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just don't know the long-term angle you're trying to play. When I look at the Western Conference, um, somebody's going to end up with DeAndre Ayton. Now, West of Phoenix well, doesn't I was, do I it. I was going to bring that up. Yeah. And we'll get to him in a second. Yeah. But let's say he stays in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Phoenix is still contending. I don't think that team is better than what Phoenix puts on the floor next year. Phoenix just – don't get me sorry on them again. <laughs> but, you know, I yeah. mean, you, you got uh, the Dallas Mavericks. If, if you decide to upgrade that roster, mm-hmm. make it a little stronger, they're going to be a player. Yeah. Uh, you look at um, – you see what's going on in Utah? Maybe. I don't know. If they stay the same, do they get a coach that's going to light a fire under their butt to get them to play hard? Yeah. Jamal Murray and Michael Porter is is some health away from making Denver look real good, or at least on paper. For sure. And then Kawhi and Paul George coming back. Yeah. I don't know if that puts you over them. So yeah. I think to me, if if I'm Portland, I got to look at the long game and say, what are, what the heck are we building around? Mm-hmm. They, they got to do Dame a solid, the same way that Minnesota did a solid to Kevin Garnett. And I think to me, you got to do Dame comparison. a solid, yeah. moving him to a situation Break that he win. can win. Yeah. And I, I said in the last episode we had, man, or last the one before that, I, I would call, I would literally call Brooklyn. Mm. Take on Kyrie. Or I would call Philadelphia. Try to get back James Harden, an expiring contact. Get a, somebody that don't want to be there. But what I'm saying is, you're not going to build around a veteran anymore. Yeah. Take the OKC approach. Do what they're doing in Sacramento. They're collecting young talent and hoping that young talent pans out. Yeah. And that's what I think you have to do in Portland. Take a couple years, be irrelevant. But at least you got some pieces to work with up there. Okay. And I think they got to. They got to see that. So you traded away Norm Powell. You traded away Robert Covington. Right. That showed me, hey, we're not interested in what we're doing now. Mm-hmm. And so I think to me, you may see Nurkic on the move here. I, you got to do Dame a solid. And I don't think bringing in Brad, Bill, and Zach Levine is necessarily going to be great because Brad, Bill doesn't have a history of staying healthy. And Zach Levine ain't on that next level yet. Completely agree, man. And uh, speaking of Kyrie, I know he came out today saying he's looking to resign with Brooklyn. So we'll see if Brooklyn wants to actually have him on the team. That's going to be interesting. And then I did want to talk about James Harden. I believe he's an un- unrestricted free agent this year talk as well, to me. right? Um, I don't know if he returns back to Philly uh, because of the way that he his output in this past uh, playoffs. But what is looking at the landscape of the NBA? 
what would be a good landing spot? Is Portland the best spot for him, or is there maybe another team that needs a James Harden, not to get them to a championship level, but at least get them in playoff contention? I can't think of one off the top of my mind, but I don't think he's going back to Philly. Oh, I got one. Okay. World Wide West. New York Knickerbockers. Okay. All you worried about is selling tickets. Because I ain't trying to put no championship product. You might as well sell a guy that's going to sell some tickets. All right, so New York needs to go after Mr. Harden. Hey, you might as well. Just see what you can get. Okay. I mean, why not? I don't think nobody in the NBA wants Harden at this point, man. And I that would be, let me see, he was with Houston, then Brooklyn, Philly, and if he goes to New York, that would be, what, his fourth team in five years or four team in four years? Four. You know what I mean? Just like your boy Westbrook, man. So it's a lot of... Uh, a lot of movement when it comes to these star players are not really, really used to. But speaking of movement, you hit on DeAndre Ayton. Um, do you think, you know, Phoenix signs him and keeps him as a restricted free agent or let him walk? I would like to. Okay. You know, only because there's uncertainty with Chris Paul. Okay. I still think you got the best team in the West. Like I said, just a bad two games of basketball in that Dallas series kind of got you where you are, got you questioning yourself and that's what happens is when you lose yeah so to to me if if, if you ask me eh, he will be most valuable coming back to phoenix but i could see him in a situation where a team like dallas gets a hand on him yeah i i could see a situation where uh you got a team like <clears throat> clippers Ooh. out west you know what I'm saying? Because they, I mean, Steve Ballmer got some deep pockets. Don't mind going over the luxury tax. Yeah. I mean, hell. Call the Los Angeles Lakers. See what you got for DeAndre Aiden. Okay. And, and, and do a sign and trade with him and Anthony Davis. Mm-hmm. There's some teams out east that could use a big man uh, down low. Uh, so, I, I think to me, uh, one team out east that, that sticks out in my mind of a team that can maybe bring his services in is, is the Brooklyn Nets. Um. Just staying with a contender. Yeah. Um, but I would love to see him back with Phoenix. I think that's a natural fit. Him and Booker is a duo to be reckoned with for a long time. Mm-hmm. And Phoenix has to now, instead of acting like, instead of acting like, hey, we're a secondary franchise, mm-hmm. put your big boy pants on now. Yeah. You went to an NBA Finals. Sure. There's expectations. Mm-hmm. Resign the Joker. Yeah. You're going to need him in a couple years. And to close out the show, Coach, I want to talk about the latest 30 for 30. I want to talk about the greatest mixtape of all time. Woo! Uh, talk about the N1 mixtape tour. Um, there's a few uh, ups and a, and a lot of downs for me uh, when it comes to the mixtape because talk that is me. something that I grew up on from the very first tape Man. I saw. Man. From Skip to my Lou on there, and then I, I went over to my friend Mo's house, bro, and he just put in this tape, and I'm like, "What? What is this?" You know what I mean? But then I was so intrigued, and then of course Volume Two, Three, Four came out, and then they transitioned to the tour, and they're going to arenas and going across the country. But uh, my thing is, I have a few things. They didn't feature enough of the core players that were on the N1 team. I really think that Escalade, a.k.a. Troy Jackson, should have got some love. Rest in peace. God rest his soul. I believe uh, the Eminem of N1, uh, Professor uh, Grayson, he should have got more love. I believe Ali Moe, a.k.a. Black Widow. The best player in the N1. The best player in the N1. It wasn't close. 
six eight handles mm-hmm. strap my favorite goes to the player, basket bro. back it down he should have been on there i believe uh air up there uh he should have been on there the first guy to ever do a 720 he should have been on there as Woo. well uh ao aka i think he looks just like puff that might be puff's long lost bro i don't think he got enough time on there uh because ao is a really key player um all that to say man uh one them dudes look washed <laughs> I don't know if you saw Half Man or or Shane and Jillian. I'm like, man, you dudes look old. Dudes like, hey, remember, babe, but, but but Shane was in his early 30s. I didn't know that. Ago. He was like, yeah, I came when I was 30. I was like 34. Yeah, man. So, bro, man. But outside of that, um, I just didn't like how the 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 money was distributed because. You got these two white cats and the black dude, I forgot what his name was, that was recording the games, and they're selling these tapes, and main event walking to the store like, man, that, is that me? It's like these players didn't even know they were on tape. It feel like they were almost like college athletes, where they're seeing themselves on TV or seeing their apparel being sold. It's like, this is my stuff on here. How come I ain't getting no, nothing from that? So they're like, they're getting pennies on the dollar when it comes to that. They're just happy this will be on TV. They're just happy to get free shoes and clothes and travel, but they weren't really getting the bulk of the money. Yes. So my thing was I loved it. I don't think it was long enough. It should have been a two-part, three-part series. Oh, for sure. For me, 45 minutes is not enough to talk about the culture and legacy of N1 basketball. 100% agree. Man. 100% agree, man. Feels good to get that off my chest. No, man. And I'm <laughs> glad you did, man. It, it was nostalgic. Yeah. As all get out. I was. I made my wife watch it with me. And granted, she wasn't paying attention. Right. On the phone. On IG, probably. You, you know what I'm saying? You know, <laughs> doing cheerleading work. Love yeah. you, But it was nostalgic, man. Like you said, I remember the first mixtape. Yeah. With Skip. Yeah. And I'm like, what is this? Right. We ain't never seen this. That, bro, I was watching more of that than NBA basketball, man, at a time. It was a way of life. Yeah. Not only from the mixtapes, not only from the 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 games that were uh, presented on the mixtape, but the tour. Mm-hmm. I had an opportunity, man, uh, in his second year, I had an opportunity when the mixtape tour came to Columbus yeah. at Nationwide Arena. I had a chance to play in that open run. Yeah, getting to play inside the gym. Oh, man, I had a chance, bro. Yeah. It was dope. We, we actually played outside, and I didn't get picked coming in. Yeah. Uh, but me, my, my bro bought tickets. We sat on the first row. You can actually, when Professor went behind the back, I believe it was on Escalade, we went nuts. Mm-hmm. We went nuts in the gym, man. Yeah. And you can see me jumping on the court. That clip is still out there. I bugged my wife with I told her I'm famous now. <laughs> um, but, I mean, I remember getting, you mentioned the great Ali Moe, man. Yeah, man. I got a shirt, uh, Ali Moe, uh, main event. And I think the other was AO, man. They was yeah. at the old City Center Mall here in Columbus. Yeah. I remember those moments. And those moments don't leave you. Mm-hmm. And, and like you said, man, it, it should have been longer because I think they could have went into a little bit more of the origin. Yes, um, backstory. You know, the backstory yeah. of not only Rucker Park, uh, but also maybe the Kingdom there. Yeah. Uh, in New York City, some other uh, great yeah, playgrounds. Dyke- Dykeman. Dykeman. Yeah. Um, you know, you mentioned they went over to Linden because yeah, that's, Jersey. Where, that's yeah. where main event was from, and they could use the court over there. Mm-hmm. And, and I just think, to me, they, they should have paid homage back to the guys before they did it for a small bit and piece, but I'd love to learn more about Dr. J. Pee Wee Kirkland. Pee Wee Kirkland, Earl yes. Pearl. Yes. Um, guys like that mm-hmm. who didn't get that shine. And to come in and have the idea, I think, was so dope. But like you said, the compensation. These yeah. guys 
were movie stars. Yes. These guys, along with Allen Iverson, moved the game. Yes. I always call Allen Iverson as the most important basketball player not named Michael Jordan the sport has ever seen. Steph Curry has now transitioned that conversation into a three. Yeah. And it's not taking away from LeBron James, and that's a whole other conversation. This is more cultural, though. This is a cultural angle. Yeah. And only three guys, you know, Larry Bird saved the league. Jordan made the league what it was today. Mm -hmm. But I thought since Jordan, only Iverson and Curry, from a cultural statement, has made the game what it was. And I think during that time, you mix Iverson with the and one mixtape guys, and that's what you got. Mm-hmm. Hip hop became hip hop with these guys. Yeah. Um, I, too short. Mm-hmm. Too short. Like you said, two three part series. They they should have went into the the professor is probably the most popular player outside of Skip to Malou and Hot Sauce. That, Agreed. That and one was able to see. Yeah. Like you said, I would love to hear the backstory of a six foot ten, six foot eleven behemoth that can dribble as well as any guard. <sighs> In the league. Yeah, man. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, rest in peace. Um, yeah, Escalade. Escalade, man. Yeah. Robert Jackson. Uh, Mark Jackson, little brother, mm-hmm. man. Rest in peace to Ali Moe, who was the most skilled player. I think and one had a had a opportunity to cover. You know what I'm saying? Kenny Smith said it in his All the Smoke podcast. I was about to call it, yep. Um, he could have played in the league, and it was the truth. Yeah. Ali Moe was my guy. Yeah. Nobody looked like that other than Lamar Odom playing basketball. Mm. You know what I'm saying? He was it. Nobody with that handle that could shoot like that. That was yeah. long and athletic. Only Lamar Odom made it look that easy. Just think, yeah. just think of Darius Miles with Lamar Odom's skill set. That was Ali mm. Moe. Um, yeah. Just a privilege, though, yeah. to see these guys still still doing their thing, you know, and, and being able to have some sort of glory behind it, getting some sort of flowers. Yeah. Um, and one was a generation. Mm-hmm. It sparked a generation of kids. Like I said, man, these guys were more popular than NBA players at that same time. For and sure. that says something about what these guys built during that time frame. Completely agree, man. And for those that see, you know, the dribbling done by Kyrie and by Steph, I believe they truly got it from these guys on the mixtape. Um, I'll also ask you guys to check out the greatest Nike basketball commercial of all time. Roy Nesmith. Lamar, Lamar Odom's in that as well when he just comes to the handles, the dribbles. Everybody at school the next day was outside trying all those moves. Yes. Trying to put the basketball underneath my shirt and spinning yes. it around, dribbling it off my knees, going over my head with it. All those moves, man, were just popularized by these guys. And then just to cap off on it, man, I was the announcer. I never knew what his name was, but the, oh, baby. Oh, baby. Yes, he said he got some love. <laughs> and then also, outside of and one, for just talking about street ball, the EBC, the Entertainers Basketball Classic. Oh, most definitely. That should have been addressed as well because that's Most where Kobe definitely. played. That's Most where Kevin definitely. Durant played. That's where Ly- Baron Davis, Nate Robinson, that they went on the offseason to play. Fat Joe winning chip after chip. Exactly. And you talk about the blackout game where everybody was coming. Jay-Z had his team with all the mm-hmm. NBA players, including LeBron James in 04. I wish that was talked about as well. But you just got to do your research, man, when it comes to New York basketball. And then last but not least, on the Kenny Smith thing on All The Smoke podcast yes. with Ali Moe, he said that he actually actually hooked him up with the G League tryout. Yeah. And Ali Moe turned it down. He didn't think he was good enough. Yeah. 
it's just crazy that someone that good still doesn't think they're able to be to make it to the NBA. So all that same being said, man, right. check out ESPN if you have ESPN app, ESPN Plus. Yes. Check out the mixtape, then go do the research for yourself. Greatest mixtape ever, 30 for 30, man. And I'm gonna run a this one. Not only check out the Nike commercial, which is probably the greatest commercial of all time, mm-hmm. uh, but also check out them and one commercials. Yeah. Where you had uh, Kevin Garnett. You know what I'm saying? You had guys like that, and you had Styles P, Jada, rapping uh, on. KG, did he have a, I think he had a deal with N1. No, had, had a deal it. with N1. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Jason so, Williams, White Chocolate. White Chocolate, yeah. yeah. Styles, Styles P was his guy. Just yeah. like, and even check out Reebok's commercial with Iverson and Jadakiss. And Jadakiss, yeah. That, that, was, that was the culture. Yeah. That was the culture, but that's what, what, that's what N1 presented to the world outside of Allen Iverson. That was it. So, man, we... We lived through an amazing time. We did, man. I'm glad that we were still able to tell it, man, to you guys. And I didn't know if you want to uh, harp on this now. Do you want to have any type of uh, draft preview or draft conversation before we close it out or save it for the next episode? Man, we definitely going to dive into it, man. Got a whole draft preview coming for you, man. A lot of first-round picks. Pick uh, talk, man. Uh, some second round. Some guys to look for. Maybe free agents. Uh, we're going to dive back into that college special a little bit. Pull some names. Uh, from that, three names consistent at the top of the draft that you're going to hear. Jabari Smith, uh, Chet Holmgren, mm-hmm. Pablo Boncaro. Uh, those three guys you're going to hear at the top of the draft. Don't know which order. It's safe to say that Orlando's closing in on Jabari Smith. Okay. The safest pick there. Uh, so that probably moves Chet to Oklahoma City, moves Pablo down to Houston, which I think caught, uh, which I think fit-wise, Houston fits Pablo, who I think is the most NBA-ready player today. Uh, another name that uh, can sneak up in that top ten uh, is 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 Keegan Harris, the kid out of Iowa. Um, they got him right now slated going number seven to Indiana, six or seven Indiana mm-hmm. uh, there. But he's a he's a, a long NBA wing uh, prototype. Yeah. Uh, can defend, can can shoot, can score. Um, two kids jump off the floor to me. Um, one, Malachi Branham, who's trying to sneak into the top ten. Yeah. Six, six wing out of Ohio State. I think he was the best uh, NBA-ready freshman last year. I think he's going to come into the game. Think um, think a more developed Chris Middleton. At that age, at the young of an age, at the young of an age, yeah, uh, kind of throwback to Michael Red, just right-handed. That's what mm. he reminds me of. Okay, um, and then another kid uh, there inside of that uh, top ten range is a kid who can go either way. Yeah, can be a Gary Payton defender, or who maybe uh, maybe a, a Avery Bradley consistent consistently in terms of how he handles the ball, and that is Johnny Davis from Wisconsin. So you get a guy that can score, but he can defend. So you don't know what he's going to play in the NBA. Yeah. So to me, you got a lot of guys coming up in this draft. There's a couple of guys from the G League Ignite team uh, that's out there. Um, so not necessarily a big-name draft. No, not But at I all. think what you got, you got some guys that are going to stick into some good situations uh, moving forward here over the next three to five years. Uh, and and so we'll double back on that looking forward. But the NBA draft, always a fun time. And then I think, too, yeah. you're going to see some movement in the draft for one of these potential guys. Look at what Washington may do. Look at what Portland may do. Yeah. We're talking about Bill and Lillard and all these other guys. What are the New York Knickerbockers going to do? For sure. Who's going to trade out and send their pick somewhere else to open up that that guaranteed money mm-hmm. for a veteran. So this draft to me gets very strategic once you slip past that top 10. 
a lot to look forward to when you listen to the Hoop Kings podcast. Yes, sir. Got some draft previews. Of course, we're going to talk more about the NBA Finals. We're going to return. We're actually sitting here right now watching the game. 10-4, Boston Celtics at home. Yes, sir. So we'll go ahead and get up out of here, man. This is your boy, the Medieval King Art. I got my guy, Coach Fly. Anything else you got to say, my man? Hey, love, peace, and hair grease to the people, man. Stay safe out here in these summer heat, in these summer nights, man. We love y'all. Episode 10 coming soon. For sure, this is the Hoop King Podcast. On the half for Coach Flight, this is a Medieval King Art. We'll talk to y'all next time. Peace. Peace.